Finance Boards, and you're listening to the Mountainside Pride Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Mountainside Bride podcast. I'm Christy O, the editor and publisher of the Mountainside Bride, and I am here with Jessica Bishop from the Budget Savvy Bride. The Budget Savvy Bride is a wedding planning website dedicated to helping brides plan a beautiful wedding that won't break the bank. In addition to showcasing real budget-friendly weddings, the Budget Savvy Bride features inspiration, ideas, and projects to help brides save money. The Budget Savvy Bride has been named in Bride Tide's top 100 wedding blogs for four years in a row since 2010. And Jessica has also appeared on various TV and radio segments across the country and is known for being the go-to source for brides on a budget. She is a Wishpot wedding expert, a two-time recipient of the Wedding Channel's Editor's Pick Award for Best Budget Bridal Blog, and she's a member of Martha Stewart's Dreamers and Doers Network and a member of the Love Collective, a network of top wedding bloggers. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, Christy. Thanks so much for having me. After an hour's worth of technical difficulties, we're finally making it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your patience. And also, uh, I want to thank you from uh, the bride perspective. In 2009, when I was planning my own mountain wedding, um, I had just graduated grad school. I got my first job, but the recession hit of 2008 and my husband was unemployed and we were getting married and it was so important for us to have a wedding that really represented who we were, but we had to stay on such a tight budget. And I found your website and it was a key go-to resource for me for planning my own wedding. So I just want to say it's a thrill to have you on the show. And thank you so much for having such a badass website. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That really means a lot. Um, you know, I, I can definitely relate to, um, you know, being on a tight budget, wanting to express, um, uh, you know, my personality, my husband's personality in our wedding. And, um, we were kind of in a similar situation to you. I, I was laid off from a job and we were both, you know, newly out of college and weren't making a lot of money anyway. So then when I got laid off, it was even more of a challenge to plan. And, and so the fact that, you know, me starting my blog has turned into, you know, a resource that helps other people, you know, going through the same things, um, you know, is really just rewarding to me. So it's really good to hear. <laughs> so, yeah, I do. I remember that you were a uh, bride blogger and you started, I remember following you as you were planning your own wedding. And so it, you weren't just phoning it in. You weren't just, um, you know, a lot of online writers or website owners will just go out there and do the best research they can and write about it, but you were actually experiencing, um, you know, you know all, everything from a firsthand experience. It was really fun to follow. You've grown since then, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, I started it. You know, like you said, kind of journaling my own experience um, of planning a wedding on a tight budget and kind of keeping it as almost like an online journal an idea book because uh, this was in the days before Pinterest existed um, so it was kind of like almost like a Pinterest board or an idea notebook slash journal um, and you know then over time because it started I guess in 
in 2008 when we got engaged and, and going through the process, we got married in 2009 in May. Um, so, you know, with the recession, you know, so many brides I think could relate to that. And so it just kind of grew, um, organically from people finding it, searching for, you know, budget wedding help and things like that. And, um, just a lot of it didn't exist, I guess, at the time. I feel like I was kind of in the right place at the right time. Um, but, uh, accidentally, <laughs> you know, um, but, but it turned out to be, uh, really great. And, and the fact that I'm able to do this now full time and, and be, provide a resource to people, um, is really, really cool. So it's definitely grown, um, in ways that I never would have expected when I started it just for myself, you know? So for listeners who haven't been to your site yet, Explain what is a budget-savvy bride and what types of resources brides can find on your website. Well, um, some of the resources that brides can find on uh, the blog are, you know, real budget weddings. We feature one or two every week, typically on Wednesdays and Sundays, um, where the brides will not only share the photos of their beautiful budget weddings, but also um, cost breakdowns. So, say, you know, a bride spends, you know, $5,000 on her wedding, she's going to give you a breakdown of where she spent that money. Um, and that can be really, really helpful to brides who know that they have, you know, X amount of dollars that they're working with to look at other weddings that happened on that same budget um, to kind of get, you know, an idea of how far their money can go, how they can stretch. Maybe it'll help them prioritize a little bit. So that's definitely one of the most unique um aspects uh, and features of our site um, just because a lot of people just don't really talk about the money and and yeah like some people might think it's not cool or it's tacky or whatever but like when it comes down to it and you're on a small budget it's really 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 helpful other things that we do um, we feature DIY projects things you can do uh, yourself uh, to create like personal and and creative aspects um, and details for your day. We also have, you know, a team of rotating bride bloggers who come in like every six months. We have new brides who are planning their own budget weddings who write about their process as well because that's how it started for me and it was very personal. Being that I'm almost uh, to my five-year wedding anniversary, I didn't have a whole lot of personal experience to share anymore. Otherwise, I would just be repeating myself. So, um, you know, we have, we have the bride bloggers who come in and they, they share their experiences as well. And, and I think that's, that's a really unique and helpful, um, thing for our readers to read. You know, one of the things I like about your blog as well, and not that I don't like blogs that are different from this, I like them all, but your brides and your DIY projects on your blog seem so real and authentic. They seem so accessible to normal people. And a lot of times what I find is um, there are some blogs out there that will feature do-it-yourself projects and they really work on the lighting and the photography and the styling. And those images, those DIY images are really magazine ready. And um, sometimes I find that intimidating. So it's nice to go onto your blog and find real women talking about their real experiences and trying um, real do-it-yourself projects um, that you don't need an art degree to complete. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because sometimes I get like insecure about it. I'm like, oh, well, our, our DIYs are just done by, you know, our girls who are writing on the site. Um, you know, they're not magazine worthy. They're maybe not Pinterest worthy in some people's, you know, opinions. But I do, I do think that's a good point that it is more accessible and it's definitely more like realistic. And that's something, you know, I feel that so many budget brides are faced with is, there's so many wedding blogs and they all feature such gorgeous images, you know, perfectly styled and lit and the photography is amazing. But at the end of the day, like a lot of that stuff isn't accessible or realistic for a bride with a smaller budget. So it's definitely, um, on, on brand for us to have the more, you know, realistic and, and kind of attainable, um, <laughs> do it yourself projects. Yeah. And, and so brides know when they get to your site, Oh, I'm in the right place. These are my people. This is me. Right. <laughs> so tell me what what is a budget bride? In other words, like how much do you have to spend or not spend to be considered a budget bride for your website? I mean, I don't like to put necessarily um, spending limits on it, but in general, our readership gets a little upset if we feature anything over 20,000. So that's kind of, kind of the cap, um, of the, the weddings that we feature on our site. Um, just because, you know, the, the national average, uh, for the United States is like 27 or $28,000. So a $20,000 wedding, especially in a major metropolitan area, like, Los Angeles or New York City or Chicago or, you know, any kind of like higher end city, you know, the weddings there are going to cost a little bit more anyway. So a $20,000 wedding in one of those major cities is a budget wedding, you know? Um, and so generally like that's kind of the, the budget cap that we stick to, but overall I feel like, you know, there's no like absolute value um, when it comes to on a budget being on a budget. I think everyone has a budget, most likely, unless you're Kim Kardashian. You know, it's all about you know prioritizing and and making things fit into the budget that you have to work with. So tell me this. I'm I'm sort of curious about this. I love to craft and I like DIY stuff and I like to bake and so I, it made sense for me to have a DIY wedding, not just to try to save money, but also to um, express myself uniquely. But not everybody is into the whole craft DIY stuff. Do you have to DIY your wedding in order to be a budget bride? Or are there other ways that you can stay on budget without twisting yourself into a pretzel folding paper <laughs> and making pom-poms? It's funny, you know, and I, I, I feel like a lot of... Um... I've had a lot of readers, you know, reach out or leave comments on the on the site saying like, oh, I'm not crafty. I don't know if I can do all this DIY stuff. It's definitely not a requirement, um, but it is a great tool, you know, to bring your budget down. Anything that you can do yourself most likely is going to save you money unless you are just a DIY disaster and end up spending more because you ruin your project on the first try or something like that, you know? Um, but there are ways to get around it. There are ways you can do things that can save you money without doing the DIY yourself. Um, and I know a lot, I, I advise a lot of brides to kind of like reach out to their, you know, bridal party or their family and friends, um, to help with maybe those crafty things. If it's not your particular specialty. Um, I know when I got, 
married, um, I kind of roped my mom and even my husband, you know, my fiance at the time, he helped me make tissue paper flowers for our, um, wedding aisle decor. Um, you know, it, it turned into kind of like a fun bonding experience making those things, um, while, you know, watching TV and stuff. Um, but you know, there, there are definitely other ways to save as well. Um, you just kind of have to weigh whether or not you think you can handle it. If you have friends who are talented, who you feel you could pass that on to, or some people even offer to do stuff like that. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's definitely not a requirement, but it is a helpful tool when it comes to saving money on a wedding. So let's talk a little bit about source. You know, you, you're not a, you're not a crafty person. You don't want to actually DIY your own stuff. And so you're looking around at your friends and wedding party and your family to sort of fill in some of those gaps. Um, and typically in the wedding industry, they're called frienders. Uh, yes. <laughs> what, what are some tips you have for quote unquote hiring or working with frienders? First of all, you you definitely want to make sure that, you know, if if they're if they're offering it, obviously that's one thing, but um, you know, weigh weigh you know, the feeling that you have about whether or not you feel it, it's appropriate to ask for something outright, you know? Um I feel like if you have a good relationship with them and, and you trust the work that they do, you know, whether it's photography or baking a cake or helping you with crafts or anything like that. I mean, obviously if you want to ask them to do something for you, you probably already trust or value their skills in that area. Um, and as long as you don't think it'll like negatively affect your relationship, um, you know, I, I don't see any problem with it. Um, but there's definitely things that you want to make sure to discuss ahead of time. Um, not necessarily like a formal contract that could be kind of off putting, but definitely, um, you know, expressing what your expectations are of them ahead of time is really important. Um, just so you're on the same page about it. We actually used a lot of, uh, family and friends when we were planning our wedding. Our cake was made by a neighbor um, that we grew up living next to. And, um, you know, when it came to deciding on all those aspects of, of creating the cake, you know, we met with her almost like going to a bake shop. I mean, we just went over to her house, walked across the street, um, and, you know, showed her some pictures from magazines that we liked and, um, you know, talked about the flavors and the decorations and, you know, pretty much outlined all of what we were looking for, um, gave her, you know, a detailed timeline, just like we would with any of our other vendors. And, you know, luckily she, she was very professional about it. She's done like wedding cakes and stuff, um, for other people. She made a lot of my birthday cakes growing up. So I knew that she had amazing <laughs> cake skills, um, and it all worked out great. And I think, I think part of that was, you know, our relationship was good. Um, and I knew what to expect from her in terms of, um, the final product. And I, I expressed, you know, my expectations and, and the specific details and timeline to her. Um, so I think, you know, if you do your due diligence when it comes to that stuff, 
it's, it's great. And, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we gave them a, a gift as a thank you because they, they refused to, you know, accept payment for it. They did it kind of as a gift to us for our wedding. Um, but you know, we did give them a thank you after the fact. And so, um, you know, definitely, definitely the main points are, you know, set, uh, set your expectations and make them clear to the other person and, you know, always be very gracious because if they're willing to offer help, they obviously, you know, you obviously mean a lot to them and they're, if they're willing to help you with stuff like that. Um, but definitely make sure to set the expectations and be all on the same page about it. Do you, did you find that you had to ever adjust your expectations with working with friends? Like, I, I'm surprised that you got to go over to your neighbor's house and show her pictures of the cakes and say, this is what I want. This is what I want. I've always assumed that if you're going to work with your friend or cake baker, or friend or graphic designer, that you're not going to get the best of the best, that you have to scale back on, on your expectations and wants. Do you find that that's the case or do you find that it, it, it just depends on, on how talented your friends are and whether or not they're actually doing the thing professionally? I think it might really uh, kind of depend on a case by case basis, like how talented your friends are, you know, um, I certainly got lucky with the fact that, you know, my neighbor, um, did some cakes, you know, on the side, you know, semi-professionally. Um, and you know, we had my uncle who is a musician and he plays like, that's his career. He plays guitar and does cover songs and, in bars all over New York. And he, you know, played music during our ceremony and some during our reception as well. You know, in those cases, I think I'm just blessed to have really talented family and friends, but it, it's definitely um, a different situation than working with a vendor that you hire and you pay. Um, and I know that there's been plenty of brides who've gotten burned in the process of using frienders. It's definitely, um, you know, it can be a risky situation, especially with people who might be just starting out. Like I hear a lot of stories about brides hiring friends who are just kind of starting out in photography and maybe, um, you know, horror stories of like, Oh, the images got deleted off the camera, things like that. I mean, it, it just can be very, very risky if people aren't a hundred percent professional or haven't really had a lot of experience so, I mean, you definitely want to take take those things into account when you're considering working with a friend versus hiring a vendor. It it can definitely save you a lot of money to, to work with family and friends who might be willing to work for free or for less. But at the end of the day, you know, you just have to, to consider the possible risk involved and, and the quality of service. If you're willing to sacrifice that, then, you know, that's a, totally a personal decision. But you know, I just encourage everyone to be, you know, smart about their choices. I think when it comes to that stuff, you just, you just have to use your, your best judgment and follow your gut, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I think you make a good point about if, 
you have a prior, you know, there's this priority risk factor and um, if photography, for example, and I went through this as my listeners know, um, photography was a priority for me and I hired a photography student who was just starting out and she wanted to kind of get into the wedding business and she didn't know about the rhythm of a wedding or shooting detail shots or even just managing people for, for exceptional portraits. She didn't know any of that. And, um, I got the picture. I cried for months, you know, I paid, I paid a, you know, I paid her a couple hundred bucks for it, a couple hundred dollars. I got what I paid for, for sure. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't go the friender or the cost saving route with things that I didn't care as much about. I wish in hindsight that I had said, you know, this is a big priority for me in my wedding. So I'm just going to go and hire a professional. Right. So I think it's, it's, you know, I mean, and if you have professional friends out there, like if I were to get married again, Jessica, cause we're friends, I would, I would ask you to do my invitations, right? Like, cause, cause you're a graphic designer and you, you, you do, you do stationary for a living. So that would be, that would make sense. Um, I might not just ask my random ass CPA bridesmaid to do it. <laughs> so if I'm going to hire a vendor and I have a priority, you know, I, I, I want beautiful flowers, I'm going to hire a vendor or I want beautiful photography, so I'm going to hire a, a vendor. What advice do you have for brides for selecting the best vendors on a budget? Um... Well, definitely start out, you know, with your priority list and, you know, decide what's most important to you. And I definitely, a lot of vendors, um, especially like photographers specifically, include a lot of their pricing information on their website. So it's kind of easier to like narrow down who's affordable and who's not for your particular budget when it comes to photography. Um, but when it comes to other vendors, it might not be quite as easy. But I think uh, one of the best things you can do um, when you're researching uh, is reach out to vendors either for basic quotes or to give them your budget upfront. Say, this is what I have budgeted for this particular service. Is this something we can work with? Um, and a lot of times I find that, you know, vendors will be willing to do will be willing to try to work within that budget for you. You might just not be able to get everything that you necessarily want. Um, but I think that's a good way to start out is just kind of expressing your budget, what you have to work with up front and seeing what they can do within that. Um, and, you know, like if, if your flower budget is small and you only have, you know, X amount and you tell your potential florist, she might say, oh, well, that's enough you know, just for your bridal party flowers, your bridal party flowers will look fantastic, but then you can come up with other ways to decorate your, you know, ceremony and reception area other than using flowers. Um, so you can still have beautiful florals in your bouquets that you're carrying, but maybe, you know, find other elements to decorate your reception. So I definitely think, uh, you know, reaching out and expressing that budget ahead of time and, and first thing um, is the best way to kind of narrow down um, when it comes to researching the vendors. And do you have any advice you can give brides for negotiating with vendors while not being a jerk and staying fair? 
Yeah, I definitely think it, it can be a, a touchy subject for sure. Um, negotiating in general, especially now that I've, I've spent time on the other side of things where I am a vendor as well in, in some cases, and I work with brides on designing wedding invitations. Um, there's certain, there's certain industries where there's costs involved, you know, for me, there's printing and paper and envelopes and, and then also my time cost involved. So there's some things that aren't as negotiable as others that are more, you know, service related. Um, but I definitely think it's important to know that, um, or important to respect, you know, the vendor and not undervalue their services by any means but maybe, you know, expressing up front, like I said, this is what I have to work with. Is there anything you can do within this budget instead of saying, well, that's just too expensive. Can we cut it down by half? You know, right. don't, don't insult the vendor. Um, but, but expressing what you do have to work with and asking what they can do for that price, um, maybe is a better way to broach the subject rather than saying, oh, your prices are too high, you know? Yeah. And if their prices are too high, I would say, don't waste their time. <laughs> don't, yeah, yeah, and and be okay with that. You know, I mean, there's nothing. I, this would happen to me with um with with web development as when I was um, freelancing as a web developer, I would get clients. And when I was first beginning, you know, I wanted to please everybody, and and I would get clients. They would nickel and dime me down, and. What would happen, Jessica, is I would be pissed off and bitter throughout that whole project because all of a sudden I'm making like seven bucks an hour, yeah. twisting myself into a pretzel. And um, it wasn't a way to get my best work out of me as a creative. And so I think that, you know, to a certain extent, you might win in the end with the money aspect with certain vendors. Um, but are you going to get the best out of them? Right. And that's true, especially with creative people. Um, you don't want to feel, you know, stifled or undervalued because like you said, it, it can totally breed bitterness and resentment towards your clients. Um, nobody wants to feel like, you know, their work isn't valued or that, um, you know, feeling like they're not worthy of what they're asking because, most of these vendors, if they're charging a certain price, there's a reason for it. There's equipment involved. There's, you know, expenses on their end involved. They have, you know, X number of years of experience. They are, you know, experts in their field in a lot of cases. And so it's really, it's really a touchy subject. And you just have to be careful not to insult anyone um, when it comes to that stuff. And just know, like, if a vendor is way out of your budget, then you're better off just like trying to find someone else rather than, you know, potentially insulting someone or wasting both of your times because it's just not a fit financially, you know? I agree. I agree. So let's talk a little, let's go back a little bit and talk about the weddings that you feature and your, you know, your budget breakdown and stuff like that. Um, you said that you have budgets as high as $20,000, but I've also seen budgets as low as $1,000. Can you talk a little bit about what you find the key differences between a $1,000 wedding and a $20,000 wedding budget are? And do you have any tips for each price point? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, there, There is a pretty wide range for sure. Um, some things that I see on the smaller end budgets um, that's 
common is the use of frienders. Um, a lot of them, you know, have friends who do the photography, which tends to be a larger um, part of the budget, you know. Um, so getting someone who can do that for free always seems to lower their budgets. Also, really a big one seems to be um, finding a venue that is low cost or no cost, like public parks or libraries or we've featured weddings that literally happen on the lawn in front of like an old like church, um, you, you know, public parks, anything like that where, where there's really no cost involved for the venue itself. Um, family, family homes, friends homes, uh, lake houses, you know, who do you know that has, you know, some sort of property that you could potentially get married on that seems to be a, definitely a common occurrence with the lower budget side of things um we've featured weddings that uh you know catering wise they might just do like a potluck style reception which definitely isn't for everybody it's definitely not traditional but um i see it a lot in you know second marriages or um you know, blended families, like what we just featured a wedding recently that was done for a thousand dollars. And it was a couple who, um, each had several children of their own from previous relationships and they were getting married and blending families. And so really they didn't, you know, they each have several kids and they didn't have a lot of money to spend on a wedding, but, um, so they did a potluck style and I thought that was great and it really worked out for them and their families and the guests that they invited and it was still a beautiful wedding. Um, on the higher side of things, you know, they're, they're doing less themselves. They might do some, you know, aspects of the de decor and things like that themselves to save money. But overall it's like a more, you know, a more high end look, but still on a, on a decent budget or maybe they found ways to cut down um, in other areas. Maybe they got their dress on a sample sale, um, you know, a, a $5,000 gown that they got for $1,000 to a small, a tiny, tiny budget bride. $1,000 in a dress seems like a lot, but when you've got more to work with, you know, that, that, that bride definitely got a great deal, you know? Um, so, you know, I think, I think there's just a, a really big range. And I think one of the good things about having that big range is just kind of being able to look at all those different options and get ideas from it. None of them are like an end all be all like, this is how you should spend this money. Um, but it shows you what, what can happen when you prioritize in different areas. Um, and so I think overall, that's just really helpful. So Jessica, what are your top recommendations for budget savvy brides to save? Like what are the top areas to save and what are your top recommendations for splurging? Um, when it comes to saving, I always say like if you can find a low or no cost venue, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, that's a great way to save. One thing that was never as important to me per se was like flowers and decor. Um, we really had minimalist flowers at our wedding, um, just a few, you know, simple arrangements on tables for the reception and obviously our bouquets and the bridal party flowers. Um, and then everything else we kind of did ourselves, um, creating tissue paper flowers and things like that to save money. Um, fresh flowers is just something that can cost a lot, um, especially to get them professionally done. So that's something that I, I tend to recommend a lot, um, to cut down on the budget. 
Um, but in terms of splurging, I always recommend that, um, you know, you put a priority on your photography because at the end of the day, like that's what you have left to remember all of those special moments. And, you know, you keep your wedding album for years to come. That's a very special keepsake for you, um, to look back on the day. Um, my husband and I love to look at ours, you know, on our anniversary every year. And, um, so I definitely think that's something you, that you should, should splurge on, um, in terms of your budget, but there's definitely, you know, uh, ways to save there too, you know, just making sure that you find a photographer whose work that you really, really like, um, within your budget. You don't have to hire someone who's been in the industry for 10 or 20 years. You can find new and upcoming photographers. Just make sure to do your research and, and your due diligence, uh, when it comes to, you know, checking out their portfolio or getting references, um, and things of that nature. So, um, but definitely photography is always the thing I recommend being priority number one. I totally agree. I also want to kind of throw in a little tip and this is in part cause I'm, I'm working on an, uh, an article about this, but, uh, we've had some problems, unfortunately in the wedding industry. And you know, this as well, Jessica, cause we, we run in the same circles with, um, photographers stealing the work of other photographers for their portfolios. So it's not enough to just look on the photographer's website. You really have to do your due diligence and, ask other vendors, um, look on the wedding wire and Yelp for reviews and, um, and, and just make sure you're, you're getting what you think you're getting. Absolutely. It's kind of scary actually, um, with the internet, how easily someone can set up a fake wedding vendor website. And there's been, you know, stories of, of scam artists and things like that out there, which is really, really scary. So in general, I think, you know, part of being savvy, whether it's, in terms of your budget or just in general, you know, doing that research and, and, you know, getting recommendations and getting, you know, actual feedback from people they've worked with and things like that is a good way to ensure that you're working with someone who is professional in some shape or form. Absolutely. Jessica, for the uh, brides and vendors who are listening out there and they want to submit a wedding to the budget savvy bride, um, how can they submit to you? Um, we accept features submitted via Two Bright Lights. We get a lot of submissions uh, through that website um, from vendors. But we also, I get a lot of submissions from brides and from readers of our site who, you know, might have gotten inspired or uh, gotten, you know, good information um, on, on the blog and want to kind of pay it forward and share what they were able to do. Um, with our audience. And so um, brides who want to submit their weddings can actually submit also via email. Or if you're a vendor and not on Two Bright Lights, we do accept submissions via email as well. Um, typically, you know, like a zip file of images. And we, we actually, you know, because we include the questionnaire with each of our um, with each, each of our features to keep everything consistent, um, including the budget breakdown and all of that, there's a questionnaire on our submissions page um, on the blog as well. So, And is there anything that, I, well, I'll ask it like this. Are you exclusive? Does a bride, if a bride wants to submit to you and her photographer wants to submit to somebody else, is there conflict with that? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not exclusive. Um, I know that some, some blogs find it, important to be exclusive just you know to get 
the eyeballs on their blog and that's great. But for me, it's more important to, um, educate the bride. I mean, my, my priority is the bride, my reader. And so I don't care if a wedding has been featured somewhere else, you know, as long as she's willing to share, you know, her process and her priorities and her budget, um, to help other brides out there. I'm super happy to have anything that's submitted to us. So, and how can, uh, brides find you? Do do you have a Facebook? Do you have Twitter? Are you on Instagram, Pinterest? Where can we find you? I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. (laughs) Facebook, um, budget savvy bride, Twitter, savvy bride, Instagram, savvy bride. Um, I love Pinterest. I pin stuff all day long, not just from our site, but other sites too. Um, you know, creative wedding details and budget-friendly wedding decor items, even fashion-related stuff, color schemes. I just, I love Pinterest. Um, so that's a good place to find us. And um, and obviously the blog um, at thebudgetsavvybride.com. So. Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show. You have given such amazing tips and I'm so excited for listeners to check out Budget Savvy Bride and just be empowered. Yes, yes, it's definitely possible. Don't get discouraged. You can do it no matter what budget you're on and we can definitely help you figure it out, so. Thank you. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. And that concludes another episode of the Mountainside Bride podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Did you know you can subscribe to the Mountainside Bride on iTunes? Just search for Mountainside Bride and subscribe. And if you're a top wedding blogger or a mountain wedding professional and have some of your own insights and advice to share, please email me at Christie, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E, at mountainsidebride.com. Thanks again for listening. While I'm trying to be, the word is calling me, the word is calling me.